Welcome to Through the Corporate Glass, a podcast that explores career choices. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Through the Corporate Glass. I'm your host Pramod. Today we're going to talk about a topic that I have found both fascinating and effective for many years now, namely deep work and its application in the workplace. Our guest is going to be Swanand Pagnitz. Deep Work is the title of a book published in 2016 by a computer scientist named Cal Newport. What Newport means by deep work is the ability to focus without distraction on a cognitively demanding task. In the book he explains how this ability to put in proper stretches of concentrated work is a big advantage in today's economy. Newport also talks about the many ways through which he has built up his own habits of deep work. After all, he is a theoretical computer scientist. Our guest as I mentioned today is Swanand Pagnis. And Swanand is the CTO of CoLearn, which is an education technology startup headquartered in Indonesia. Before joining CoLearn, Swanand used to run his own consulting firm and is also worked as a director of engineering at Deserve and as a principal engineer at First.io. Apart from this, he runs a popular Postgres and SQL workshop and he organizes the Ruby meetup group and the Papers We Love meetup group in Bangalore. I've met Swanand at a couple of conferences and meetups over the years. and enjoyed some nice conversations so i was delighted when he said he's been applying the principles of deep work in his work life and he's willing to talk about it on the podcast hey swanan welcome to our show hey pramod thanks for having me glad to talk about deep work and discuss various aspects of it looking forward to that too uh, so what is deep work according to you and why do you think it's important within software companies uh let's talk about why first the reason why it's important is uh, quite nicely written in the book that uh, these kind of like practice uh, deliberate practice yields a lot of dividends the fundamental gain from deep work is the ability to master hard things fast uh, now it's a lofty goal and we'll deconstruct that in many ways mm-hmm. uh, but that's the core idea that you want to get better fast uh, and you want to develop deeper expertise and deep work is one of the ways to get there okay we can also talk about what deep work is and there there really like uh, two three uh, you know things a one line summary is challenging work performed in a state of deep focus mm-hmm. over a period of time right and and i can see that there is a link with deliberate practice as you mentioned that's right and honestly like if we want to sort of deconstruct the, this one line right mm-hmm. like it really bog, uh, bogs down to like work challenging deep focus and period of time these four these four terms Mm-hmm. and i think all of us intuitively understand that work means knowledge work right i'm specifically leaving uh weightlifting training for the iron iron man triathlon sure, sure. and that kind of work out right next the physical dexterity and adrenaline involvement is out knowledge knowledge work is in right. uh, which means programming writing journalism etc and challenging mm-hmm. challenging for whom and that's the question right what is challenging for uh, einstein mm-hmm. may not be like maybe impossible for others so challenging for whoever is practicing like it should be at the edge of your ability like if you're just doing routine stuff then you often don't get into a deep focused mode uh, then deep focus itself is distraction free uh, and when i say distraction free it means both internal and external and we'll define uh, you know internal external over the course of uh, this conversation as well uh, and then period of time of course means a stretch of time not not like a day or two a week it means weeks months month like years sometimes 
so there's it like you know challenging work done in a deep focus mode over a period of time mm-hmm. uh, can be deep work yeah that's a really nice breakdown let's contrast it with the other thing so what do you think are some flaws or, or drawbacks in the way most people work by default why do you think when we are not putting conscious thought into our productivity what do you think are the downsides over there Yeah, so there are a couple of anti patterns i have consistently observed both from my own work from talking to others from observing uh, people closely i'm going to focus on the top 3 uh, in my opinion right now number 1 is not drawing a clear boundary uh, between your deep work and shallow work and that fundamentally means acceptance about your own work right we do a lot of work like updating jira doing pr reviews writing emails not a lot of this requires that kind of deep focus Mm-hmm. right as opposed to say you're doing deep engineering work or fundamental problem solving work right where you need that kind of focus uh, but we need to accept that definition and the difference between deep and shallow and internalize it and then draw silos which i see not happening so that's one not drawing a clear boundary uh, second is not putting enough thought about uh, getting focused i keep this saying this catchphrase called focus on focus unless we actually sit down and strategize about how to go uh, you know get deep work done it's hard to get into that because fundamentally our like our brain needs to know that you know this is my focus time and unless we have and set that expectations with us it's very hard to go in a very uh, deep state of concentration right you you're saying that includes back of the mind there will be a voice saying or some part of your mind exactly. will be saying I'll, i'll be out of this soon or i don't really want to exactly. do this precisely i think you had the nail on the head let's say you're working uh, in writing like an article or a blog and you know you're putting a lot of thought but you know there's an amazon delivery expected right? <laughs> it's going to be on the back of your mind like right. and hey you know what you got a message in the morning saying delivery out to this is the otp then when you're writing it's like oh yeah, that dude is going to come anytime I, i'll get distracted like the brain needs to fundamentally believe that the next two hours are complete focus i'm not going to get distracted and then that include things like uh, uncertainty for example if you're not clear what you're working on then you're going to go jump to jira flowers whatever it is that you know your your system that includes time uh, budgeted for fun and leisure you can't keep looking forward to the next episode of loki landing this wednesday if you're going to go it into deep focus mode then secondly like mm-hmm. your motivation to go in a deep focus mode should be intrinsic there should be some internal alignment Or and not only like i have found cram that... for an exam and you hate the exam but you still need to cram yeah that exactly and that that will not you know let you go into that kind of concentration mode like one example is that there have been times where i have forgotten to have lunch you know uh, and i looked up from the uh, on the clock and say oh it was like i started work at 7 in the morning and now 3 pm so that's a that's the second uh, anti pattern not putting in a deliberate focus into getting into like a good focus mode and the third is not understanding visual pollution enough when we say distraction mm-hmm. we think noise right we think tap on the shoulder physical distraction right uh, and noise is a very very well understood distraction what people don't understand and think about is viewport activity something moves in front of your eyes there goes your focus so not uh, picking an environment where viewport activity and visual pollution can be reduced drastically is another common mistake people make open offices for that reason like you know impossible to get any kind of deep work done because you can't control your environment uh, and that's something people miss a lot there are many other factors but like i said these are the top 3 most observed uh, and the most critical ones that are necessary yeah i think that was a pretty nicely done analysis i really like some of the things that you mentioned especially the noise part visual noise is something i think takes a while to realize and for me i guess probably what happened is the absence of it is when i realized that it used to be noise one one amazing uh, anecdotal kind of example is like 
when you're when you work from home or a cafe or something with with your face facing the wall right. and then you suddenly step out or something right. it's very it's apparent if you think about it like you know there's sudden stimulus coming to you correct uh, which you take for granted uh, the absence of which you usually take for granted sure sounds good so can you uh, point to some projects that you worked on or you know maybe problems that you have solved where you can look back and say you know i haven't been i wouldn't have been able to get this done without using these techniques because i know that you someone you mentioned you've been applying this principles for a while so i just want to know like in the sense that what is the kind of work that it lets you do problems that it lets you solve great question actually i like this right this is like putting your money where your mouth is you can keep <laughs> talking about the work but then you know it's helpful to share actual examples uh, there are two three uh, projects that sort of come to my mind the n- number one is a big large scale data migration we did with 100% of time uh, back at first dot io mm-hmm. where we changed the fundamental uh, rela- like relation between two entities that were central to our, our entire system we did this all uh, while keeping 100% of time right? we did these migrations and there was a lot of different pieces involved a lot of uh, interweaving pieces lot of refactorings lot of underlying data changes complex sql uh, you know testing different kinds of analysis involved mm-hmm. and it took us almost around a month and a half to get the whole thing done and rolled it into production mm-hmm. and there was a period in which uh, i was not even attending standups and the team was very supportive they knew that i was in the middle of it and some of those things when i look back uh, you know even like i feel like yeah this is this is pretty good did you have those continuous stretches where you could work without distraction i do i do so i used to use a tool called uh, rescue time at that time mm-hmm. and i had the built in screen time uh, on 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 the iphone and on on, on the mac uh, and so those two i have a reasonable amount of uh, data on that uh, mm-hmm. kept with me mm-hmm. and there were periods of like minimum in those three weeks or so the minimum periods of work were like 2 to 3 hours and the maximum were around 6 or 7 hours in a, in a day and, and, and this is like uh, if and this is not shallow work right where you are moving around emails and yeah this is like actually writing like a say a complex query or writing out a report mm-hmm. or uh, performing analysis on uh, neural data or uh, these kind of things mm-hmm. and, and historically wednesdays have been my most uh, productive peak productivity days mm-hmm. uh, i've tracked uh, productivity over time and like on wednesdays i used to like do like 6 7 hours of work whatever i don't know how it worked out but you know wednesdays were just perfect when i look back on it like it was quite clear to me that some of these things would have taken way longer mm-hmm. and i may or may not have done that thorough job you know with with those without some serious input from other folks anyway so that's one second was a similar uh, sim- similar project in a similar company in the same company a couple of months down the line a pretty uh, fancy sql based reporting and caching system that i built this one i it took me around one to two weeks to ship to production Mm-hmm. uh it had like a lot of a uh, lot of uh, elements to it there was like an aut- uh, automatic cache expiry there was materialized views the query itself uh, is a thousand liner query that i used uh, as a demonstration in my postgres class i show oh, this query uh, did you say um, yeah okay. around 1000 lines it was composed together it wasn't written all in one one shot but again that was a part of some of the work mm-hmm. and building that query pieces by pieces etc very illustrative of what the focus allows you to do which otherwise can take either long or you know you make mistakes right or you may never be able to crack a given problem right because you can never focus hard enough you sometimes Correct. you need your working memory to be completely full to sometimes crack certain absolutely things, right absolutely in fact a friend of mine uh, not going to name them but they were pra- they were trying to get into one of the big tech uh, company mm-hmm. companies 
and you know the interviews are famously right. are, you know you can have data science uh, analytical questions and they were practicing quite hard on lead code and hacker rank uh, and not making a lot of uh, progress mm-hmm. and then there was a point where uh, they accidentally stumbled into deep work without any uh, prior planning you know like something happened in their life things aligned and a lot of distractions were removed uh, and they had like a lot of morning focus time they graduated from lead code and hacker rank in a couple of weeks to google code jam problems right and you know like if you've been through these problems you know that code jam problems are you know like a level above uh, you know most of the platforms right. and they started solving and eventually it led to them getting a good job and then now they are at google uh, but yeah like the the case in point was again like it takes some time it's a gradual build up and it takes iterations after iterations but it's possible yeah so those are the two there's one more if you have time i can share one more otherwise we can come back to it later yeah let, let's let's come back uh, to that because i think we are kind of heading close to what the next thing is what are some of the personal deep work related techniques you know that have worked for you and also you've kind of worked in different kinds of roles and you even run a course uh, teaching databases right so yeah talk right. to us more about the techniques that you use so sure so yeah i mean uh, so there are a couple of techniques uh, i want to share uh, some strategies more than specific techniques i want to share uh, broad level strategies anybody can build your own their own uh, strategies or techniques around them uh, the first one i shared was like the boundary between deep work and shallow work i think that's uh, kind of critical recognizing is one tip. part you're saying time wise you separate them time blocking you... right so time block identify like uh, hey my 8 in the morning to 11 in the morning is my focus time mm-hmm. nobody bothers me in that time or whatever works for you i am a morning person you carve out a time and fix it for your deep work activity and then every day like clockwork you open your computer or notebook or whatever you work uh, you open your laptop you open your notebook and you get to work uh, and and then after you repeat it enough number of times you're going to get into that habit of uh, you know quickly getting to focus mode but that uh, identifying that this part of my calendar is for deep work and this other part of my calendar is for other work and also other you know leisure time chill time like i said if you like watching netflix then you know you like watching netflix budget time for it and you do it Yeah. Uh, but then don't let that thought bother you when you are in that concentration zone so that's why those silos are critical uh, the second very tactical strategy i have is use weeks as a planning and execution technique over days plan your week on sunday and know what you're going to do the whole week uh, in many companies i've seen we have oh no meeting wednesdays right don't have meeting free days have meeting free weeks that is a bold suggestion bold. yeah yeah and this is something leaders uh, and managers who are in position to do is to should do a week is a wonderful unit of execution right it's mm-hmm. just long enough to get something meaty done and not short enough to feel like too long right so it's it's a perfect iteration it's practically so, the most used uh, unit of execution measurement in in companies right at a practical right sprints and yeah we have sprints like weekly or biweekly sprints yeah and it works just beautifully because there's there's weekends in the middle you have days you can absorb the weekends can absorb some of the uncertainty or spillovers should there be any or they can provide us a break so that unit is amazing uh, that that's one amazing thing that usually works for me right mm-hmm. so so that's one second is the uh, that thought about budgeting time i want to go i want to double down on that uh, like budget time for yourself for other activities that you know are on your mind 
uh, when I was in my deep work zone, the MCU was active and, you know, they would release movies, whatever, every so often. Trailers would come out and whatnot. And I'd like set a time, 30 minutes, I'll just catch up on everything MCU every day or whatever, every alternate day, right? And so these oh, things MCU are important. The like, Marvel Comics universe, I'm guessing. Marvel Comics, okay. yeah. The Marvel Cinematic Universe. Okay. Uh, and so whatever, like it's just an example, but it was important to me. And had I not budgeted time, it would be on my mind, right? GTD is amazing. Getting things done principle is amazing on this point, right? Your brain is for having ideas, not storing ideas. So use your time, the cognitive time to have the ideas, but then offload them. Secondly, that same uh, boundary part, uh, I want to extend a little bit on that. There's some other kind of work uh, which is still part of deep, uh, part of everyday work, but feels like deep work. Uh, like for example, on-con rotation, pager duty, etc. Try not to get into like deep work at that time uh, because seeing success is important. Like that's 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 the other strategy that I have. Mm-hmm. And if you're trying to get deep work done, start small, mm-hmm. like atomic habits or tiny habits. Start small and see that hey, this one hour worked for me. That positive reinforcement is important. Otherwise, you'll give up on it pretty fast. Uh, otherwise, also, uh, you it gets pretty you hard. Must be clear about the task. There should be some clarity about what you're set out to do otherwise you'll not, you won't feel the success exactly yeah you, you need to set out like you know what this is my plan this is what i want to get done and i'm doing it and let's say uh, you're working on something complex let's say you're working like a writing like an api throttler or something uh, you know based on say leaky bucket right now if you already know these things right if, if like a very senior engineer is doing it they only know some of these things it's going to be easy for them right. but let's say you're an early career engineer and this is at the edge of your ability right you know a little bit about these algorithms but you have never really put them together and you have written the code, test cases, everything in production, which means just at the edge of your ability. At that time, then you you can, that work can stretch, say, days, for example. Then then you, then on Sunday, you will think, oh, you know what, this is my goal for this week. I want to write this, I want to get this to production, or I want to get this reviewed. And then now you have a clear goal set in the mind, in whatever, two to three hours of focus time every day, leading up to, say, on Friday, to like a review. And that works. Uh, so, so that... Uh, Success, a little bit of dopamine, uh, you know, is important. Uh, second uh, sort of uh, tip I have is to not go against biology, uh, which means hunger, sleep, and other, the, the Maslow's pyramid, the base of Maslow's pyramid, you can't fight them. Don't try to fight them. If you're sleep deprived, you cannot go into focus mode. I guarantee you, like, I think uh, so don't fight biology. Say, right, related to overwork and, and, and as you say, the lack of sleep, etc., is when you're slightly cognitively not at your best you don't realize that you're not at your cognitive best absolutely and you'll you'll write terrible stuff and then again if the brain gets to know that this is not working then the brain is going to oppose it uh the other uh thing i have is to have a personal uh set of etiquettes around co-workers and colleagues now this applies to offices when i uh jot these notes down we were a lot of people were still in the offices they are not uh, work from home right. things have changed but still work from home there are other distractions right it could be family not everybody has a good dedicated work from home space where which they can call office, which is distraction free. So having a personal set of etiquette uh, is important. Like when I'm when my headphones are on, nobody should distract me, or uh, you know things like that. Uh, Actually, let's talk about we, the, we've had me right. Like let's say you are a manager or some a leadership role in a company, or let's say as a company collective effort, you want to you appreciate the quality of deep work and you want to enable it within your teams. So what do you think are some basic things that a company or a set of people will have to get right for that to happen? And also what's a good time frame to aim for when they're trying to roll this out and enable this? Great, great question. And I think very relevant. Uh, the first thing is, of course, going back to the silo, uh, you know, which uh, is a theme, if you notice, it's a constant recurring theme, right? 
in terms of defining deep work, in terms of personal strategies, in terms of tactical strategies. Now team, that silo and understanding that our work is made up of both kinds of work is important. Same for managers, leaders, uh, and let's say if you're an individual contributor wanting to inculcate deep work into your team, then you also need to bring these up to the people who are in the decision-making authority or decision-making capacity, right? So I think the first thing is to figure out the calendar of people and your team and align on that. Uh, and then the second thing, possibly slightly controversial or patronizing, is to not try to parent people. Managers and leaders have to understand that you have a team of grown-up professionals who can take their own decisions and they have to let that trust go all the way. Uh, and, and and that means trusting them with their calendar and not using the, hey, what's the update kind of, uh, you know, also call, let's get on a call a thing, right? Mm -hmm. They have to trust that people are doing the work and accept that, sure, sometimes things are going to get delayed, uh, but also accept that, hey, sometimes things get shipped faster uh, when you let uh, people do their own, their own pace, their own way. So that, that calendar control, I think, is like the very first thing teams need to look for. Are you saying thinking about conscious about when you arrange meetings or is it also about when you ping people and ask for updates? Right, both. Uh, it's, it's a sense of okay. both like having, giving people the control over their calendar and their working schedules. And secondly, also to set up systems that cause distractions. Right? Let's say if I'm working on something mm -hmm. uh, that needs multi-team alignment and people are waiting on it and don't go update whatever Jira, GitHub, Hello, whatever it is, then people will come looking for me, right? Because they're looking for that update. Keeping that communication channel open uh, and making time for it is important. The individual contributors have to make sure that people don't come chasing for them. And managers and leaders have to make sure to create those silos so that people have that time. And then the second thing is again planning, right? Clarity. Nothing drives focus like clarity. Uh, the third thing that really, really works is to shift focus of the company towards writing. Nothing brings deep focus like writing does. Okay, you're saying uh, writing things down. You start communication. Writing things down or writing, like, you know, let's say you're writing code, but you're also opening a pull request, which describes what the code does. Okay. You know, and you can write two lines, but you can also write like a small essay or whatever, like a one page. In contrast to you're saying having meetings. Okay, in contrast, yeah. Overall, if you, when we shift focus, uh, communication uh, from verbal to written communication, Okay. Uh, there is a there is a slight there's not like there's actually a big culture shift that happens, which uh, eventually leads and enables a deep work culture. If a company or a team wants to inculcate deep work, they should very seriously think about integrating a writing culture into the team. Okay. It could also be like writing blog posts or something. But but overall, writing brings out clarity and focus, unlike anything else. Okay. So that's a very simple strategy that aligns everyone towards deep work. Yeah, I do, I do agree. Have you had? success or have you seen this success with the writing part because i know that both cultures exist and in some places one uh, you know is more dominant than the other so have you have you noticed this difference so uh, i've noticed it quite a bit in my personal as in my personal working style mm -hmm. uh, and we are trying to do that in colon right now we're trying to inculcate a playbook driven written communication driven culture and so far everybody is giving me great feedback we also moved our stand-ups and huddle time around uh, to give people some more freedom over their schedules uh, we, we are letting teams run their own standups we're giving so we're giving a lot of tactical control back to the teams uh, while retain, still retaining a little bit of strategic control and sh slowly shifting towards like a writing style and like so far things are good people are reporting their increased focus time their pr review cycles have reduced uh, we also do a lot of pair programming mm -hmm. people are trying to find a balance between pair programming and focused work 
you know they can be at odds uh, often etc things improve you know so i have like empirical evidence with my own teams two times mm-hmm. uh, but i also have other friends who have tried it uh, and it worked for them and it's a great force multiplier in many many different cases it doesn't matter you're a programmer or not mm-hmm. programmer product design everybody needs to write and communicate clearly and the good thing is like on this topic of deep work it aligns like they, they align very well that's fantastic actually let's talk about a closely related aspect which is we've been speaking about communication asynchronous right so what's your take on this im slack hip chat uh, those kind of things mm-hmm. a more pointed question would be are there things where communication issues where you say let's move out of slack for this like what do you use slack for and where do you think you should stop using slack okay yeah that, that's that's a pretty good question the reason i asked this i mean uh, uh, because it is a common complaint that i i feel it personally no, no, no. that people are discussing things on slack which maybe they should not so i wanted your opinion on that understood understood so i generally view slack as uh, announcement and notification like notify someone okay kind of tool okay right? hey, hey you know what i wrote this uh, i opened this pr can you go look at it it can serve as a great inbox for communication okay. number one number two is uh, it can give you that connection right hey you know what uh, pramod is unless you and i are coworkers right hey pramod is online right sometimes you are just you have downtime you know you're just chilling Absolutely. or something you're not feeling it and you are available and you know you can chat uh, and that is great uh, when the when we start using it to replace work communication uh, that is where the problem starts occurring when you start giving running stand ups on slack when you start asking for updates uh, on slack etc and, and any stretch it too much that is where the problem that's where the downhill starts and then from there it's all the way to like hey why are you not online and those kind of things like trust issues so so it, it the downhill starts at a broken work process uh, and it ends at uh, broken trust or or have uh, you ever so in to, uh, you know have, have you ever been a person where you had to discuss a complex design over stack or would you say stack is not the slack is not the right medium for that right no so i generally prefer slightly more high fidelity tools like tuple or zoom or video calling for some of those things okay uh, or like uh, you know share so sometimes uh, high fidelity communication is needed right you need to see the other people you need to maybe have a text editor together etc the high fidelity where the writing and document is not sufficient and in times like those i reach for one level higher uh, tools which is tuple and zoom for me okay. uh, and so to the time from time to time we we use those tools but sometimes showing is easier than writing absolutely uh, you know i'm going against my writing advice here but it is like you have to find that boundary that hey this is where i stop writing and i just show it uh, one great tool that has caught my attention and some i've seen my some of my teammates use well is loom it lets you quickly capture videos Okay. uh screen share and record a message and show you it's called loom is it is great loom l o m loom it's quite quite nice quite nifty allows you to create short videos and they encourage you being terse and to the point over mm-hmm. like wordy and you know imprecise but anyway come back to our async communication uh, challenge like i said like the downhill starts when we try to replace slack for work communication all work communication that i think that is the tipping point we don't notice it then uh, we notice it when the trust breaks uh, and that's the hard part about it i think, I think the problem with think, tools like slack is uh, it's low effort for the for the person asking or making the request right 
So that's something many Correct. of these tools Correct. get into the wrong mode where it's low effort to do the request, but very high effort to. Absolutely. It's actually the fog behavioral model here in, in play. Uh, F-O-double-G fog uh, behavior model. There's a book called Tiny Habits that talks about it. Okay. Uh, so any behavior happens at the junction of a prompt, motivation, and ability to do things. Uh, if your motivation is high enough, even if something needs a lot, lot of ability, you will do it. But if your motivation is low and it needs something like a lot of ability to do it, you, you won't do it. In this case, the prompt is, hey, where is my, I don't have the information. Somebody just has a realization suddenly, I don't have this information. And at this point, if with Slack, it's very easy to just ask the person, right? We have reduced the ability to get an update from somebody, right? Uh, because it takes more effort to go to Jira and look at the card than to ping somebody on Slack, <laughs> ask them for that update. Yep, yep. Right? So it's easier and people always take the easy path. Right. Uh, so yeah, I don't have an answer as to how to fix it. There are many strategies, but but it, it really boils down to what you said. Right. It's it's also I think what Paul Graham calls it is make a schedule, manage a schedule, where someone will come and tap you and say, "I have a quick question," and you know those quick questions right. by that, go, <laughs> yeah yeah. In my talk, uh, in my Deepak talk, I call it the tap on the shoulder deceit. Oh, okay. uh, offices are prone. Offices are very prone to it. Right. Let's continue this uh, communication channel, social media kind of things. Any other conscious strategies you have to uh, manage social media? I mean, I have a lot of advice, but not a lot of it that is working for me because I'm not able to follow it. So I would say, you know what, I just do what works for you. Honestly, I'm not the right person to advise on social media and online distractions okay. because I'm also, you know, no matter what kind of deep work I'm engaged in, social media is a distraction for me too. Uh, and I, I honestly wish I had better advice uh, on this. I don't. Something uh, kind of relates uh, to this is the intrinsic motivation thing that you mentioned earlier. So I, I keep thinking when I listen to, let's say, Cal Newport or even um, James Clear, I guess his name is, you know, some of these people are, let's say, people who work in the content creator economy, right? So there are even right. writers, many writers. I think their issue seems to be, I know what I want to produce. I want to do this, maybe write a book or write an essay, but I keep getting distracted. So that seems to be the battle they are fighting. But for most knowledge workers in the, let's say, programming economy, it is somebody else has told me to deliver this. And obviously, my mind would want to do that even less. Exactly. When I was doing the programming language course, you know, I, I used to do that on weekends many, many years ago, five, six years ago almost. Mm-hmm. I was barely using Twitter at that time, you know, and I, I came because, like I said, the intrinsic motivation to just work on that thing was so high. Mm-hmm. That I did not really care whether if I'm missing out on tweets, if I'm missing out on hacker news and whatnot. Yeah, I so, think there's a maybe lesson in there that try to find things which intrinsically motivate you. And and I think as a leader manager, what I feel is sometimes you have to reframe. I mean, motivation sometimes comes down to that, right? You have to show them why this right. matters because per se, many programming tasks may not look like a thing, but right. you have to reframe it and also show what's the beauty in it. Sometimes saying what you that's something I've noticed. I can see that for me, this looks like a very interesting challenge or a piece of work, but for somebody else, they may not see those aspects. Sometimes you have to say, this is why I think this is great. You know, give it a shot. Correct. Yeah, somebody, somebody like a very wise person said that leadership is like a 50% uh, sales job. <laughs> uh, like you're, you're, a sell, you're a sell the idea, uh, you know, and not in a negative way, in, in a positive way. Like, right. and that applies here too. So I, I think we are coming close to the end of uh, some of the ideas we thought of. So what are your other tips in terms of, you know, domestic life or life outside of work? And also, let's say if somebody wants to get to this uh, deep work uh, kind of attitude, right? What would you say are some first steps that they can take uh, if you can just reiterate some of the things? 
Nice. Yeah. So I think about domestic life and life outside work, like uh, I'm not very great at it. I lean on my family to hold me accountable. Uh, I'm trying to do a better job there. Uh, but I think when I started doing this, uh, at the time, like uh, it was just the two of us, uh, me and my wife, and we used to have a lot of conversations around this. Uh, right. Uh, and the buy-in from her was important to me that, hey, this is something I'm doing and it makes sense to me as the most important person in my life does this make sense to you? Uh, and that buy-in was important. Uh, you know, so so that helped me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen that help other people as well. That, hey, get the buy-in from other people and then you can lean on them, right? You're falling off the wagon. You're not uh, paying attention to your duties, etc. Right. And those things. So that, that, that helps. Uh, when starting up, like I said, I think the calendar is like the first thing okay. uh, because calendar sort of rules the life now. Uh, so that's the starting point that I always uh, ask it because it's a simple tactical technique to get you started. If you start thinking about intrinsic motivation on day one, you can't change it. Correct. Right? It's very hard. It takes time to get there. So smaller tactical things like taking charge of your schedule, uh, having clarity in your work, planning better, uh, etc. These things help. I would recommend somebody going to deep work route using GTD, uh, you know, getting things done. Okay. It's a very established route towards deep work. Okay. Because GTD already sort of helps you get into like a uh, what they call as a meaningful engagement towards work. Okay. Uh, it's slightly different from deep work, but it's a good path uh, to controlling your time and then eventually adding clarity and going down the deeper path. Second thing that I that people miss that it's not just about focus work, right? It's also about working to the edge of your ability. Mm-hmm. If you are just doing the same thing that you do every day for you've done your last week, you're never going to get deeper work. You'll get into focus mode for sure, but it won't be deep work. Deep work happens when you do the challenging or you push your boundaries, right? So being very deliberate in our everyday work is important. Let's say I'm writing a, I'll give you the same example, a rate limiter or if you thought I'm writing. And now I personally have written it multiple times. I can write it in my sleep now, right? But the next time I write it, if I go very hard on performance, you know, whatever, uh, asymptotic performance, uh, analytics, dashboards, observability, I go down the rabbit hole, like do a more thorough job, do things that I've not done before, then that contributes to deep work. And so, Picking work that is the, at, at the edge of your ability is important. So, so if you're like a back-end engineer, right? Try to add the DevOps angle to your work. Mm-hmm. Or if you're a front-end engineer, try to add design angle to your work. Mm-hmm. Think about typefaces, uh, HTML, CSS. Do adjacent work. Uh, write about it. Try to teach. So, so do things that are adjacent to your current skill set that will help you push the envelope. Uh, and then the calendar. Uh, so these things together, you know, sort of pave the path. Fantastic, uh, Swanand. This is really good. Um, thanks for sharing all your insights with us. Uh, you're welcome, and you know, happy, happy, always happy to share. I tweet quite a bit about these things. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm always happy to chat uh, and offer guidance or learn. Like if you've been practicing, uh, this is again a, a request to the listeners that if you've been practicing uh, deep works, please do share with us what worked for you, what did not work. I, I love hearing those stories. Thanks for listening to this episode. 
You can find Swanand on Twitter. His ID is at underscore Swanand. His website is info.pugnis.in. Do check out our show notes for links to all the other things mentioned in this episode. And do tune in next week where we talk to Sudipta Das of Flipkart and we'll be speaking about how the field of human resources has evolved and what does it mean to work in HR today. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Do send us your feedback at throughthecorporateclass.com and follow us on Twitter at corporateglass. You can also email us at feedback at throughthecorporateglass.com. We'd love to hear from you.